This is Transistor.fm. Hey, product people. We have a great show coming up. It's part two with Brennan Dunn, where he'll talk about tactics like building an email list and how to have paying customers lined up right when you launch. But first, we have a big announcement. Thanks to you, our listeners, this show has grown and grown and grown. Downloads have increased 65% over last month. Individual episodes are being downloaded thousands of times. And so Kyle and I got together last week to talk about sponsorship. We were really clear about one thing. We want to have sponsors that we believe in. We want to pick products that we actually use and love and that we think you'll love too. So I went out and I asked one of my favorite products to sponsor the show. And they said yes. That product is Sprintly. You can go to their site at sprint.ly. Sprintly is what I use at my day job. It's what I use to manage our development process. And what I like about it is that it brings the agile methodology to the entire business. It makes the whole development process transparent. Everyone can see what's being worked on, what's in the backlog, and what's been completed. Managers don't have to ask how projects are going. They can see how they're going in real time. So if you're a fan of the show, I'd like you to do two things. First, thank at Sprintly on Twitter for sponsoring product people. And second, go to www.sprint.ly and sign up for a free trial. Tell them that product people sent you. Now, on to the show. So what I'm kind of wondering is how, kind of like how crucial do you think it is for you, you to position your app as being different from everything else out there? Like how has how that helped plan scope? Good question. So really what I, what I haven't done intentionally is I haven't started saying that I'm a, uh, you know, a, a, a sexier project management tool or I, whatever. I, I, I don't even, I don't care that it's a project management tool. Most of my users don't care. They want that outcome. And so I just, I, I really try to market it as a, um, as a tool that produces that outcome. Mm-hmm. And so doing that allowed me to kind of build it with this blank slate of, okay, I don't care what other PM software has as features because I know what problems they ha- you know, my customers have and I know how to inverse these problems and, and what, and realize what, what features end up needing to be built in order to realize that. So instead of saying, you know, every PM app out there has collaboration tools and this and that and whatever else, I just really had, I started with this kind of blank slate of, let's just focus on what problems people have. And if I want problem X to go away, uh, what needs to be built to kind of bridge that? And um, so that, that's really what I did. And, and the sales copy and everything else kind of just uh, flowed from, like if you go to the features page, um, it, it's not, it, it's more of a, almost like a, a story, I think. And it's, exactly, it's, done, yeah. it's done intentionally that way because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to portray um, this, if this resonates with you, if this is the problem you have today, this software will make tomorrow look like this for you. So instead of just listing out a bunch of you know technical features, which you know as engineer as an engineer that's uh, 
it's hard to do that because I want to list out features. I want to talk about how, you know, the fact that I made it so people can reply to comment notifications e emails from their inbox and it'll get filed into uh, Planscope will intercept that email and everything. That's that's cool to me, and I want to write about that. I want to I want to promote that I've done that. Um, but it, it's it's something that it's not a direct part of that story. So I, I've intentionally kind of not included that. Um, right. Yeah, it's kind of a, a narrow focus on like one part, probably one of the most challenging parts of consulting, which is keeping a client informed about budget and scope. And it's kind of, you're not really, you know, saying anything about file sharing or, um, or things like that, typically where, you know, the project management apps just get into a whose feature list is longer type thing. You're just focusing on this one problem that any freelancer who reads, you know, your lead-in sentence here about uh, PlanScope helps you and your clients stay on top of the budget and scope of your project, like that'll immediately resonate with anyone who's ever done freelance work. So um, it's kind of interesting that you've, you know, focused on this one thing and really, like you said, told a story around it rather than explain what this software does specifically. Like I don't... It, you don't really say how you do it. You just kind of say what the end goal is. And um, to me, that's kind of what makes PlanScope really stand out from from a lot of other PM sort of solutions. Right. <laughs> yeah, again, I'm not... Uh, I'm, that's kind of the, the goal. I mean, uh, people ask me, like, can I use this at my startup? And my response is typically, theoretically, yes, but you probably should. Here are some tools you should use probably instead. And I, I intentionally don't want to just load it with so much stuff that it works on every possible uh, in every possible situation. Because then I then I then it won't have a story anymore. Then it won't have then it won't be so singularly focused on on doing one thing really well um, that it'll actually end up hurting the people that it, it I originally you know built it to uh, to help. Mm -hmm. right. So, if you know you decided to go, you know after this market, you said, okay, I'm gonna. Uh, you did your research, and you were in some forums. It sounds like, and you saw that there's some reoccurring pain, and then you know you decided to build it. How did how did you get people to care? How did you get people to notice it? How did you build? You know, you started with zero customers. How did you? get people to even know that this existed and then get them to use it? So my entire marketing strategy, really even to this day, is marketing through education. So um, I, I knew this, I knew the audience that I wanted to attract and I knew what problems they had. So I just started um, really blogging about um, my thoughts on this pro those problems and everything and I would uh, get get my my blog post in front of the the audience I was intending to get so if um, uh, case in point let's say I'm, I'm, I'm reading a forum and people are again complaining about uh, you know transparency with their clients or something I would then just say hey you, you know I would include myself I wouldn't just throw in a link I would say great question this is something that you know I've been thinking about for a while and I would go on for a paragraph or two and then I'd say I happened to uh, write about this on my blog uh, recently, and I'd, I'd link back to my blog. And this doesn't scale well, but it, it's good initially. Um, 
and, and then all of my blog posts would, would always have a call to action. I would make sure that I, I made it so if people, you know, I knew they were coming because they had read, they're wanting to read a post on being more transparent with their clients. So my call to action would just be something like, you know, if you, would you like to be more transparent with your clients? If so, um, you might be interested in this uh, project I'm working on. Um, click here to uh, to uh, be the first to be notified when it's available. And so that that was kind of my initial strategy, and that's what kind of steam, you know, basically uh, snowballed uh, PlanScope into existence. Mm-hmm. And and so you were you were writing these posts and engaging with the community while you were building the actual product. Yeah, because people aren't, I mean, no one's buying, people don't buy software to buy software. People buy software to um, make their lives better somehow. So a blog post is equally able, sometimes even more able to do that than a piece of software. Um, So all I really had to do is jump on the thread of um, how do I help people make their lives as, as consultants better and I would just you know knock out blog posts and, and content marketing or content uh, you know around that jump into people's conversations and talk with them about it and engage with them and, and really build up this uh, kind of audience of people who um, you know wanted to be a part of that yeah, and can you give me a sense, you know, you publish your first post, so you've started building this product, you publish your first post on planscope.io, what kind of traffic do you, did you get on that first post? I mean, it was maybe, back then I was blogging on Tumblr, so I don't even think a lot of those articles even made it, um, but, you know, I, I, I probably got I don't know, a few thousand total over the months I was developing uh, PlanScope. And like I mentioned, I had 300 plus uh, people on that list um, by the time PlanScope was ready. So yeah, I mean, I would just kind of balance. And it, it, what was really helpful about it was when I could remove myself from from the editor and, and write about the problems that I was tackling with PlanScope, it, it kind of let me Get, you know, level myself again. I, I could get, I got out of the weeds, I got out of the code, and I could um, kind of center myself again on, okay, why am I doing this? What is the, what's the desired outcome? And it hmm. would let, it, it was almost like a, a meditation of sort, but it, it helped me build up that initial customer base. Yeah. And so how long did it take you to build that list of 300? So I started PlanScope, um, I want to say October, November of last year, not 2012, but 2011. And uh, I launched it at LessConf in February, so about four months. Okay. And was that primarily through your blogging? Like, how did you manage to build a list of of the 300 people? Blogging, um, I had, at, at that time, I had like 300 Twitter followers, so it wasn't really. Uh, <laughs> got I, every uh, one of them to sign up. <laughs> yeah, I, I really have a huge audience there, but but I mean the, the 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 thing is, I didn't ask people to join this list and let it go silent for four months. I kept up a dialogue, and I inv- I encouraged people to, um, you know, if they knew people who also share this problem, because freelancers know freelancers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, you know, I don't have specific tracking data on that, but I know that a lot of the growth was probably due to, um, you know, people spreading the word uh, around their circles. And and were you working full time? So that that four months, were you working full time on building PlanScope, or were you juggling consulting at the same time? Well, at that point, I was still running my consultancy, so. The benefit of that was I didn't really need to worry about making money because I had other people working for me, and I. Um, but I still had to run the company, so I was still always distracted, but I was more or less full-time for uh, four months working weekends and neglecting the family and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a hard four months. It was grueling, but my goal was I really wanted to see my I wanted to get these payment notifications from Stripe. I mean, I really wanted to to sell this. I really wanted to get it out there and get people doing more than just joining my announcement list. Mm -hmm. I wanted to verify it the best way possible. And um, so I when I launched it wasn't as full featured as anywhere near as full featured as it is today, but it had just enough to solve a few core problems that this audience shared. And that's all it needed. And that was it. And so so how long after you launched was it until you saw that first Stripe payment? <laughs> Everyone had a month trial, but I mean, literally 30 days or a month after announcing it, um, payments were coming in. Yeah, so you pretty much had people ready, ready to use it because you had built up this list and yep. kind of built up excitement about the product, yeah? Exactly, yep. Definitely uh, beats launching in the dark and hoping that people somehow oh, stumble does. upon it. <laughs> it does. Again, I'm not, I don't I don't like that that amount of risk. I don't want to be in the game where I'm 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 crossing my fingers hoping that someone somewhere finds this valuable enough to go out and get out their credit card and pay for it. And and what was that initial launch like? So you said you you had um, how many people signed up? when you launched, and then how many of those converted to paying once uh, the 30-day trial, the the trial was over? I don't remember. I know I had 24, I want to say, paying customers, so about 10%, maybe. Um, although it's funny, like I, I still, like, just last week, somebody, back then, I mean, it was 50% it was off permanently from a baseline price of $12, so I got like a new customer Last week it was six dollars, and I was like, "What?" And, um, <laughs> and then I realized it was, you know, it's still kind of the gaps trickled in, but immediately, I want to say probably about a hundred people from that list uh, ended up getting a trial, and about a quarter of them ended up um, going paid. Wow! So you had you had about twenty-four paying customers shortly after launch. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, I mean, you could say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just think that, they weren't paying customers yet, but a month later, after their trial expired, they were. Yeah, I just think it's 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 neat to actually you know see what what are the real numbers, what what can people what should people's expectations be, um, and uh, you know in your case that's interesting you know the the four four months to build your build up a list of three hundred. 100 sign up for a trial and you know about 20 25 of those folks actually 
uh, start paying you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Um, so this kind of like leads me to another question that I always have for um, other folks who run SaaS apps, which is like now that you've been doing this for um, for about a year, I guess. Um, what what sorts of like metrics do you track, and what like how do you do your analytics? Do you use uh, a pre-built software for that, or do you kind of roll your own analytics, or sort of do ad hoc reporting? Um, because I I know that like when I talk to like I I have a SaaS product I run on the side, and then other folks I talk to as well. It's people track different things like churn and retention and they measure it in different ways. So um, I'd be curious to know like what kinds of, like what are your sort of key metrics that you keep track of and, and technically how do you do it? Sure. So um, I use off the shelf stuff as much as possible. So I'm using uh, intercom to just kind of see who signs up, uh, how often they, they log in, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. That just gives me general, I, I send over, data points that I care about, and I can segment people and, and uh, send them messages. Like when we rolled out international currency support, I just segmented um, everyone who was not in the U.S. and sent them an email that way. So that, that was really helpful. Um, okay. For revenue tracking and general event stuff, I'm using Kissmetrics. Um, I love Kissmetrics uh, revenue graph. Um, they show you churn, uh, how that churn affects, or what that churn, or given given the income coming in and, and your churn, what's what's the lifetime value of a given cost of a, your average uh, customer? That's um, does it plug into Stripe directly, or do you have to? No, you just so on the hook on the app side that sends off the email receipt whenever a charge happens. I just when I send out that email, I just register the amount and who who was charged with Kiss. And um, okay. it, do, it does that all. But what's, what's cool about it is I can actually, because Kismetrics Kiss tracks where they came from and everything initially, I can see, like, uh, we integrate with Harvest, and Harvest put us on their add-ons page. So I can see um, how much money has been made from people that came from that add-ons page. Right, okay. It's pretty easy to do that. <laughs> um, so Kismetrics is great. Um, I've just started using Dig My Data, which is just kind of like a projections app. Um, yeah, I was using them for a while. Um, the projections it, are really handy. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and I've also started doing, I, the only bit of custom reporting code I've written is something that will just uh, tap into uh, Stripe and find all the upcoming charges for the next 30 days. Uh, so I can kind of see, um, wh- and I also apply my given uh trial conversion rate uh, to that. So I can kind of see, uh, you know, what's February going to look like, um, given what I have now, given the trials that we've had sign up. So that's really the only thing I've written uh, custom, and that, that's a very, like, something I spent maybe 15 minutes on. Very very bad code, but it works, and only I see it, so. Yeah. <laughs> and how much business have you had from integrations like Harvest? So I'm talking to, so we've integrated, or I've integrated with quite a few different uh, invoicing tools. Um, Harvest is the only one that I have on, uh, who has me on their add-ons page. But I've had a lot of people Googling around for like, you know, FreshBooks project management and I show up. (laughs) Um, 
I'm now working on doing now that we're getting you know when when you're when you're nobody and you have like 30 customers or something it, it's hard to go to someone like a multi-million dollar company like Harvest and being and asking hey can you do a cross promo for us um, yeah yeah but once you're more you know once you start getting more exposure and everything it, it you know uh, I've had a few I want to name him but two of the uh, it's funny two of the people that we integrate with both independently within the last month reached out to me saying that they want to um, find a way to mutually benefit both of our audiences which happen to be right. mutual customers of both of ours so um, that could mean me do, me promoting them to my lists and then promoting us to their bigger lists. Yeah. Right. I think there's a point probably with that um, that sort of cross-promotion where you reach kind of like a, a critical inertia where, you know, getting those first few people on board is probably a little bit difficult. But once you've got a couple, then their competitors see them on your site and they kind of feel like maybe they're missing out. So I imagine like once you've got a couple, um, the rest kind of gradually trickle in as well, like you said, reaching out to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's, I mean, honestly, the the majority of our growth hasn't been through integrations. It's just been, I mean, that helps, but it's really a value add once people, because most of our customers have used one of the products we integrate with anyway. So, right. Yeah. Part of the part of the onboarding is figuring that out. So most of your customers are still coming to you just from what you've been doing, uh, writing blog posts, having an email sign-up form. Uh, is there anything else kind of significant on the marketing side? So I actually kind of kind of discovered discovered when um when I wrote my book, and it's kind of strange. I so I wrote the book because at the time PlanScope was maybe doing a thousand a month or something, and it wasn't gonna. You know, it wasn't paying all of my bills anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted I wanted more transactional revenue um, that could kind of you know sustain me, could could keep me, uh, you know, in the product business, um, self sufficient. And so I did this book, and the book was complimentary in the sense that it's targeting the same exact audience as PlanScope. Mm -hmm. One thing I discovered after that was. Wow, a lot of people who read, read my book are ending up signing up for PlanScope. And <laughs> what I quickly discovered is, you know, book, books or info products that are like my book are are largely impulse buys. Getting people to switch and ditch whatever PM software they have now is pretty tough. Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. book was more of a kind of a almost like a, a gateway drug into me and my philosophy towards uh, consulting. And then a lot of people who read the book. You know, I, I would I would not promote it outright, but I would mention like you know, oh, this is I built PlanScope for much the same reasons that I'm telling you to do this, and I ended up getting a lot of people uh, subscribing to PlanScope who read my book. So I started thinking like, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so I took that even further, and I started. I had a I built up a weekly newsletter from my people who bought my book, and I'm just sending out free kind of educational, no strings attached content each week when now we're at, I think, 3,500 uh, people who I show up in their inbox each Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them, there's almost like this progression of they join my newsletter, a few weeks later they might buy, buy my book, and then after that they might subscribe to PlanScope. 
And then I quickly realized, um, and this is largely after reading Permission Marketing by Seth Godin, I was like, wow, I, this is a low barrier of entry way of getting potential new customers for PlanScope in my book and everything else. So I've actually just started within the last few weeks driving paid traffic to to get people on my newsletter. Yeah. Kind of get them into get them into my little world and you know, over time deliver value to them consistently week by week, which then gets them to realize, okay, the this guy aligns well with with the problems I face and we you know, there's something that I like about what he's saying. I might like his project management tool for that's because of that same reason. Yeah. So that's that's really my that's really been helping more than I ever thought. Um, so I'm getting a lot of people who uh, you know go through that avenue. I'm also getting about a quarter of signups coming organically, so people googling around for whatever and finding me and signing up that way. Hmm. Um, so really, I've just started dabbling in and. I guess paid acquisition, but I, I wouldn't. I, I I think it's almost suicide to say I'm going to run a, a PPC ad and send them to uh, buy my book or or you know buy Planscape or something because for all they know, like who am I? Why am I? Why is my book any good? Why is my software any good? But getting them in to a mailing list or newsletter, which over time I can I can really qualify people by, you know, if they like what I'm going to say, they're going to keep getting what I'm saying. Otherwise, they're going to unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been my new goal or my new tactic, I think. Yeah. And do, do you think you could have written a book first before building PlanScope? If I could start over, I would have. Interesting. Um, that would I had no audience, really. I mean, I had my 300 announcement people, but I didn't have an audience of people who looked at me as a as an authority on consulting. Mm -hmm. um, now I have that audience who looks at me as influential or as an authority in, in freelancing and consulting, um, which makes it um, which makes it so when I have a new product or or promote one of my products, um, it 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 fall that promotion falls on receptive ears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in some ways a book could be like an MVP you know, does this solve, does this, you know, content solve a useful problem for people? And then, you know, you could do what, um, um, sorry, now I'm losing his uh, name, bootstrapping design. Jared, is that his? Oh, yeah, Jared, Jared yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, so Jared started with a book, but now he's building um, an app called Cascade, is that right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess in, in some ways that that was his path. He he wrote a book that was kind of MVP for now the product that he's going to build. I mean, people like Nathan Barrier doing that. Um, a lot of people. Uh, I mean, again, if, if when you when you finally realize that people don't buy software, they buy outcomes. Mm -hmm. You realize that software is a medium, books are a medium. Video, cor video courses are a medium. I mean, it's, these are all just different mediums of achieving a goal or achieving some outcome. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the book is an easier and way of getting to a degree of achievement for the outcome I was hoping for. Yeah. And it would have been a, a, a far easier uh, first step, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love how you keep bringing back this idea of people don't buy your product, they buy outcomes. It, it sounds like that was, you know, something that uh, you were pretty dis- disciplined in reminding yourself throughout this whole process. Definitely. I mean, again, the, the when you get into the quicksand of being obsessed with features and code and everything else, it becomes very easy to write code for its own sake and not and start to deviate from um, the the path that you should be on, which is uh, making making tomorrow a little brighter for your customer. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you know how you said you you had the your email list and you you were reaching out to customers and and starting discussions with them and you had those uh, blog posts like basically you would come up for air and kind of meditate back. Um, on sort of the big picture thing, it sounds like those are some of the some of the ways that you kind of did that without like to keep yourself from you know just getting lost in the code kind of thing. That's right. Yeah, that that's definitely right. Hmm. Well, I'd like to start winding down here, but uh, I think next I'd like to know how much money have you made so far? Are you uh, comfortable sharing a few revenue numbers? It's all on my blog, so yeah. So. <laughs> Well, let's let's start with PlanScope. What what's been the revenue so far? I just hit six thousand a month. Um, so uh, I don't know what the total the total. If you go to my, you can see what the total is up to what a month and a half ago. If you That's right. My my blog. Um, I did like an annual report um, kind of year thing where I, I did the I crunched the numbers. But yeah, PlanScope's doing well. Um, my my workshop I so one of the things that I, I learned the workshop just kind of evolved from me talking with my customers who have bought my book mm-hmm. and a, a small percentage of them were saying hey you know I want to grow I want to go beyond myself I I know you did the consulting you know consultancy thing um, I have some questions can you answer them for me and I I would answer them and I kept doing this over and over and over and I kind of realized wow there's a lot of people who have this need to uh, to want to know how to how to build up a consulting company. So instead of me going to internet forums and finding this independently, I was getting this firsthand from people who have historically already paid me something. So I kind of had a, a one up in that in that regard. And I so I I put together a workshop, a two day kind of intensive workshop. Um, and the price point on that is is twelve hundred. I mean twelve hundred for a seat. So it's significantly higher than the book. Um, And what that's done is it's kind of made it so, you know, I could have just sold a book and made $49 off uh, now 2,000-something people who have bought my book. Mm -hmm. But a percentage of them have increased their customer LTV or lifetime value by going and getting a PlanScope account or registering for my workshop. So now I have a lot of customers and the four-figure LTV who could have just been a $50 customer. But I'm providing additional value to people who want that additional value, who want to grow more. Um, and so I've done the workshop, which, you know, if I sell that out, that's, um, well, the total revenue is $30,000. i have actually, I, um, Obi Fernandez of HashRocket is um, co-teaching it with me. So okay. I'm not keeping all of that. But yeah. um, so there's that. And then the, the book sells consistently, you know, a few thousand a month. Um, it, it's kind of tapered off, but it's still, it's never been, I want to say, below 2000 for a month. Um, my upcoming book, 
which I've done, I've started pre-sales with, uh, gets released middle of next month, and um, that's already done. Uh, you know, I think seven thousand pre-sales. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, it's it's again, it's it's validation, and the pre-sales came from people who already know I've I, I know how to ship, right? I've already launched a book. I've put together a, a workshop that people rave about. I've built uh, PlanScope, you know, and, and keep it maintained. So, the, you know, the the risk of if I pay this, am I going to get anything in return? Is minimal. So I'm, I'm offering a pretty good discount. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's been great validation for that. So overall, I've been I've been doing in the neighborhood of uh, I want to say probably twenty to thirty thousand a month um, combined. And so it's definitely been nice. Yeah, you know, you're you're starting to really sell me on this idea of focusing on one kind of community of people and then getting to know their needs. And then because I can see you're just tracking with this one group and I can see how one phase kind of goes into the next. And, you know, I think for me, my problem is I'm a bit of a spaz and I'm, I'm a, me- you know, a member of a, a lot of different communities and a lot of different places. And uh, it seems like there was a lot of um, benefit for you to kind of choose this one group of people really get to know them and i can see like each time you're just you're just helping them out so when you're just in the forums you're just you know helping them out best you can and then you know you keep going and this group of people just that you've helped just keeps growing right i mean the the goal is i don't consider myself a you know total authority on all things consulting but i know i know for a fact that for a percentage of people, I'm um, at least a little bit ahead of them when it comes to consulting. And there's a lot of freelancers and consultants out there. So, well, all I'm really doing, I'm, I'm sorry, I think that's my kid. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> all, I, all I'm really doing is just, you know, providing value in the sense of, you know, you don't need to go, like, the, the whole pitch for my workshop, for instance, is I've lost more than $100,000 in screw-ups when running my company. Here's what you can avoid and how to avoid it. And this is just, you know, this is, I know what you want tomorrow to be because I've been there. I know what it would mean if you can work less, charge more, what that means for your family life and what that means for your health and everything else. And I always position things in that way. And um, and also, I another thing that works really well is, you know, stand behind everything. I've probably say, if you don't like it, I'm not going to charge you for it. And that's helped a lot too. So yeah, find something you're, find something you're good at, that you're an authority at, and realize you don't need to be, like one of the biggest misconceptions I think is people say, well, I can't teach anyone because I'm not uh, some pro Ruby developer, right? I'm not some like well-known, asked to speak at every conference developer. But the fact is, it's usually easier to learn from somebody who's uh, more recently been where you are now or been where you were mm-hmm. um, yeah. and learning from them and saving them time because I'm targeting people who have who put a premium on their time. Can you probably Google for a few days or a week and find a lot of the info I talk about in my book? Sure. But if you value your time and, and some people will never value their time but I'm targeting people that do, and 
I'm, I'm doing the research for them. I'm doing the interviews. I'm doing all that work, which is, um, you know, benefiting, benefiting a lot of people. Yeah, um, that's an interesting point talking about like not having to be an absolute expert before diving into creating some kind of info product. Um, there's a, if uh, the launchcoach.com is a, is a good resource that kind of like walks you through the steps to creating an info product. And one of the main points that he talks about at first is exactly that, that you don't, you shouldn't see that as a barrier just because you don't know everything about a certain subject. He says, you know, you can rate expertise on a scale of one to 10. And even if you're only a six on a subject, well, you can still provide a lot of value to everybody's that's still at one to five. Yep. And if you were to kind of graph out the number of people in each one of those uh, kind of buckets, there's probably more people in the one to five group anyway than the six to 10. So even if you're, you know, not the, like the best of the best in that particular area, there's still a lot of people out there that you can help even with like, you know, um, just above amateur knowledge kind or of. Or you can, conversely, you can do the research for them. I mean, you can do the interviews, research all the, you know, spend a lot of time so they don't need to spend the time and, and tell them, I'm saving you time by doing the research for you. And um, you can, on one hand, you can spend 40 hours researching this topic, or you can pay me 40 bucks and I've done that for you. So. Exactly. And I'm sure that, um, and you've probably found this as well too, that um, as you build products and talk with your customers, you kind of learn more about the topic yourself because you're Absolutely. you're more immersed in it anyway. So even if you're only a five when you dive in by talking with your customers and figuring out what problems they have and how you can solve them, you kind of grow your own um, inherent knowledge of the subject as well. I mean, with my mailing list, for instance, I have an autoresponder for a few days out that asks people point blank, what one problem is keeping your business from growing? Reply to this email and let me know. And I get maybe, I'm getting about 30 to 40 signups a day on that and maybe five or six people respond to that each day. And that is just, I mean, that's that's gold. I mean, that's just <laughs> data I can, I can use, research, and see, you know, is there a critical mass on any particular topic and use that to drive to better the products I have or even come up with new products. Yeah, man, that's really good stuff. Brendan, you've been really generous with your time. I, I want to be able to let you go, but maybe uh, to end, what what is the title of your new book? What What's the new book you're working on? So the new book is, um, again, <laughs> stuff that organically emerged from uh, conversations with my customers. But the, the new book is all about, there's a lot of data out there and a lot of stuff on how to, if you have a product site, right? Like how to optimize that for conversions and get get cost, customers to your product. And this is basically taking a lot of the same principles but applying it directly to a consulting sales website. So instead of the typical uh, you know, freelancer site about you know, I will bring your idea to life and a bunch of vague abstractions. And here I am, I like snowboarding and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, to the average client, that's not speaking to their needs. That's not, that's not, you know, if they're looking to get more customers in their business, you're probably not 
resonating with them. So the goal of the book is to just, what I've done is I've talked to a lot of people, I've interviewed a lot of different really influential people in this space um, and used things that have worked for me. And I basically just go at it and say, uh, you know, start to finish. Here's how you, uh, you know, put a lot of your business development and, and customer acquisition and get your website to do most of that legwork for you. So a lot of it is, you know, you know, what I call carrots. How do you how do you get, uh, you know, e free ebooks or white papers or whatever into the hands of a prospective client? Get them to kind of what people are doing now with me. They get on my newsletter and they any trust uh, barriers they might put up slowly get eroded as they realize you know I I know what I'm talking about and I can provide value to them and if I don't they're gonna jump ship and it's doing that same thing but with um, with consulting clients and, and getting people in the door and building up an audience a passionate audience of people who even if they're not your direct client will refer people to you and I mean that's how when I grew my business I mean we had to spend I mean my payroll alone was a hundred thousand dollars a month I couldn't just wait for referrals. I couldn't wait for people to come to me. I, I needed to make more than that each month to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really just applying a lot of that, the lessons I learned doing that, um, and getting it in the hands of the because uh, let's face it, a lot of freelancers don't. They're more technicians than they are business owners. And I want to I want to fix that. I want to get I want to make more of these people who quit their job as a developer and go out freelance developing. I want to get them armed with everything they need to know that I learned the hard way on how to um, build a, a, a proper, sustainable business around themselves. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what the next book's about. Yeah, and and just from my own experience, I think Brennan, I, I I'm on your list right now just because I was curious, and I think you send one of the best. Uh, newsletters of that kind, it, it always seems like it's actually from a person. And um, also the way that you've styled it, uh, I think really works for me for some reason. So, some people overstyle their email newsletters and make it look too, uh, too brandy, too much, uh, you know, images and logos. But I think other people understyle it and, um, you know, maybe look at make it look like plain text, uh, you know, 12 pixel font size or whatever. And yours is, is uh, really quite readable, but seems personal at the same time. Thanks. Yeah. So why don't, yeah, why don't we uh, end right there? Brennan, where can people find you on the web and how can they sign up for this email list we've been talking about? So the email list is at uh, freelancersweekly.com. So freelancers, that's plural, weekly.com. Um, Actually, if you sign up there, the thank you page has a link to just about everything I've done. So I, uh, just to quickly recap, I have um, I have PlanScope, which is at planscope.io. Mm -hmm. I have my uh, my first book, which is at doubleyourfreelancingrate.com. Uh, my second book doesn't have a formal domain yet, but it's doubleyourfreelancingrate.com slash the-blueprint. <laughs> and, um, and I also have a... Uh, a weekly um, podcast that me and Eric David, Eric Davis host called The Business of Freelancing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. I'm going to have it's to check that out. It's a bit. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much just um, the nothing technical. It's just focused on the business side of freelancing. So we don't talk about design or development or any of that stuff. Um, so I've got that. And, and lastly, I have the the uh, master class or the workshop um, that's at buildaconsultancy.com. 
but again, if you if you sign up for my newsletter, you can unsubscribe immediately. But it's all on the uh, it's all on the <laughs> thank you page. There's yeah. links to it all. Well, Brennan, thanks so much for being on the show. There is a lot of stuff here that uh, even for me, I'm I've been thinking about. So thanks for coming on, and uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Justin and Kyle. And thank you for being our listener. We really appreciate everyone that tunes in week after week and all those people that have been sending us encouragement on Twitter. That's at Product People TV. Please go to www.sprint.ly and sign up for a free trial and thank at Sprintly on Twitter. Don't want to miss a show? Make sure you subscribe. You can subscribe in iTunes or by going to our website, productpeople.tv. See you next time. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.